0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Uplift My Life Today, the podcast. Stories connect us, inspire us, and give us hope. Everyone has a story. We believe that stories of real people who have suffered adversities, breakups, and breakdowns and rebuild their lives are powerful reminders of what the human spirit is capable of. Whether you're just starting, or in the midst of your own journey to rebuild your life, or supporting someone going through their challenges, stories show us what's possible. This is The Honest Hour. My name is Astuti Marto Sudirjo. And
1: I'm Julie Growell. Together, we are holding the space for brave life warriors to share their journeys, their reflections and learnings. They show us that no matter where you are in life, however dark that place is, there is the option to rise up, that it's doable and worthwhile if we choose to. They show us another way, living your life with more ease, is possible Eli is a software engineer and openly transgender man living in Zurich Switzerland he grew up in California moved to the East Coast of the US to study math and computer science and seven years ago was lucky enough to move to Zurich for work he came out as transgender about three years ago and is a proud advocate for trans inclusion and the inclusion of and rights of all LGBTQ plus people. In his spare time, he enjoys swimming, playing music, and being with his dog. Eli, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So, Eli, yeah, your story is fascinating. Would you like to tell us a little bit more, please?
2: Sure. So I um, I'm never really sure how early on to start my story. Uh, but probably a good place to start is when I was I could really go back as far as as far as my childhood I guess. But but let's yeah. start let's start in high school maybe. In in high school I started to have a sense of my own queerness, I guess. I knew mm-hmm. that I was um attracted to women. Uh, I didn't really quite feel comfortable enough with myself to come out yet about my sexuality. I didn't really have a lot of role models around me to really make sense of what I was experiencing. And then when I was in college, when I was about 18, 19 years old, I started to identify as a gay woman and really start to understand myself a little bit better. I came out to my parents, my friends, uh, those around me, and... I felt pretty comfortable that way for the next uh, few years of my life. I started to develop more of a community of queer people around me, queer women, especially. And I knew that I was always a bit kind of masculine presenting even my whole life. I was a bit more of a tomboy. I never really felt comfortable wearing dresses, this sort of thing. Um, But it's a little bit difficult in society when you only really have views of this is what a woman should look like, this is how a woman should dress, Um, that it never really started. I, I didn't understand how I could be seen as attractive or how I could be seen as professional. All these things that we kind of have one image in our mind of what does an attractive woman look like? What does a professional woman look like? Um, and, and so when I started to develop more of a community of queer people around me, I started to see different ways to be, that it could be okay to be masculine and be attractive, um, that I didn't have to kind of confine to one, one way of presenting myself. And so I started to understand myself more as a, as a masculine woman and really, um, really get a little bit more comfortable with that aspect of my presentation. But over time, over the next few years of my life, I started to realize that, well, I was a little bit more comfortable dressing this way, presenting with more masculine clothing, with a short haircut, that sort of thing, that I also really didn't feel that comfortable in my body. And Mm. I started to struggle with this more and more over time. And what this looked like for me was some days it was even a little bit hard to get dressed because I just couldn't really stand the way that I felt in clothes. And I just mm-hmm. didn't feel like myself somehow. And I had a couple of friends who were trans who I had talked to about this. And I, I really appreciate these people in my life that were patient with me because you can't really force someone out of the closet until they're ready, even if maybe you see a bit of yourself in them. And so it's very easy to meet someone and say, oh, obviously you're going through what I've been through and this must be it, but you have to kind of have a little patience. So I'm very appreciative to a couple of people in my life who I talked to about these feelings who were patient with me. But at the same time, I had been talking about this for a few years. And eventually I had a friend who transitioned in, in their late thirties and they finally, uh, sat me down and and they said something very crude. So pardon my language for a second, but they said, uh, shit or get off the pot. Um, <laughs> like you could be thinking about this for the rest of your life. If you want to do it, do it. Um, and that was really kind of a moment for me of, I don't want to shove all these thoughts and feelings back in the box that they came from. I want to actually explore it and I want to kind of open this box and see what's inside. And that was a very, very scary moment and scary process for me. hmm so, and it was a slow process still from that, from that point forward. It wasn't an instant realization of, oh, this must be it. I'm just ready to come out as trans and live my life as a man. I really didn't understand that. Um, and I also never really felt a super strong sense of gender identity. Uh, some people experience their trans identity very much as I know that I'm a man or I know that I'm a woman or I know that I am neither a man nor a woman and I feel very strongly about that and I need to present myself in that way for me i felt much more like i was kind of having an internal struggle with my body and with my relationship to my body and i didn't really understand what that had to do with my gender and in a way it was difficult for me that that was so related to the way that other people would perceive me and that if i wanted to change my body and look differently and sound differently that that was something that other people were going Mm -hmm. to notice and that i would have to kind of it do this in a in a sort of public way. It felt like a private problem to me, but mm. the nature of trans identity is we don't really get to choose mm. where we bring ourselves to. So anyways, I eventually uh, told my partner. She and I had been together a little less than a year at this point. So it was mm-hmm. still pretty new in our relationship. And I told her this and um, she was extremely supportive of me. She didn't mm-hmm. feel that her attraction to me or our relationship was predicated on my gender in any way. Um, And actually, it was a bit interesting because she had also not dated a woman before me. Mm -hmm. Um, This was her kind of first queer relationship. And so it didn't really cause any sort of crisis of sexuality for her or something, (laughs) um, which it can definitely happen in relationships where one person transitions. Maybe you were a straight couple before and now you're becoming a gay couple Mm -hmm. or the opposite. And if one person, if the non-transitioning partner feels very strongly in their and their sexual orientation, that can be a big challenge. But thankfully, that wasn't a big challenge for me. My partner was very supportive. So I told her um, about six months after that, I started uh, seeing a gender therapist who was uh, really, really uh, fantastic. I'm extremely grateful uh, to him for giving me a lot of space to just talk, explore, um, not feel pressure that I had to be one thing or the other. I never felt like I came to him and said, oh, I'm experiencing this kind of dysphoria or issue with my body. And that he said, oh, I'm going to diagnose you as trans. It really wasn't like that. It was mm-hmm. really just a space to understand better my own feelings and then for him to support me when I did figure out what those feelings were. So so I started I started seeing the therapist and then I realized that it was going to be very difficult for me to go further in my journey until I talked to my parents about mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I'm an only child, I'm I'm close to my parents uh, and I felt that I really needed to let them in on this part of my life before I could let other people in on this part of my life. So I told them and I, I have to say it didn't go too great, um, mm. especially with my mom. My mom and I were very, very close, had kind of a mother-daughter type relationship, if you will, that I think she really, for for her, our relationship did have a lot to do with my gender, um, Mm -hmm. which was not something that was ever spoken or that I ever realized Mm -hmm. that I knew that this would be so much of a problem for her that she would suddenly feel like we couldn't be close if I wasn't her daughter. Um, So it wasn't, it wasn't this sense of, you know, my parents aren't, they're not religious. They're not particular. They're not close minded. They have no problem Mm -hmm. with trans people in general. So I'm lucky in that sense, but it was not something they would have chosen for their own child. Mm -hmm. Certainly. Um, And my dad, I think it was also hard for him, but he did a better job of hiding that from me. Mm. He did a better job of just saying he was supportive, even though I also know that privately he also um, did struggle with this. And it's, I'm able to look at this now in hindsight with, this was, I think four and a half years ago at this point, this Mm. was quite a long time ago. I'm able to look at this now with some hindsight that I don't, that my expectations of my parents were reasonable at the time. Mm-hmm. I think I just felt like we're so close; they will support me no matter what. And mm-hmm. also, they must have seen the signs. Like there were so many signs. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, it's very easy for parents, I think, in particular, to be in denial about certain things <laughs> about your child that maybe you it's, don't want to be true. Mm-hmm. So I think that was one element. And the other element was just that I spent years coming to terms with myself. I spent mm-hmm. years struggling with this privately and. In retrospect, I should have probably allowed my parents some time to also come to terms with Mm -hmm. this. So there's definitely elements of that situation that I wish that I would have handled differently because I think that there was some hurt that happened, some hurtful things that they said that could have been avoided if I would have given them kind of some more privacy and space to process this Mm -hmm. themselves.
0: Eli, can I ask you something about this? Yes. What kind of support your parents actually had going through this big decision coming from your end? Do you know if they were getting support?
2: I think they had very little support. I think they didn't want to talk to anyone about it. Um, My parents live in an extremely small town. Like we're talking 2000 people, Mm. Um, really small town. And so... They didn't want this to be the subject of gossip and i think the question of them seeking a therapist or something in their town would have been completely out of the question um and i know my mom you know my mom talked to a couple of her close friends about this and i think they Unfortunately, just very much like took her side and were very mm-hmm. much like, oh, yes, this is so hard on you I I'm so sorry for you. I can't imagine if I would have to go through this I think I don't know if either of them really talked to anyone who was like super Defending me almost mm-hmm. and that was that was challenging actually though. My mom's my mom's sisters Whenever they found out this was a bit later. We didn't tell the family for maybe another year or something I can't I can't really remember but uh my mom's sisters were my aunts because I have a one-on-one relationship with them as well. I think they were kind of more supportive of me and it was a little bit easier for them to say, I don't think your mom is being super reasonable, but also like, again, it wasn't happening to them. So Mm -hmm. it's very hard to see this situation from my parents' perspective. Like I know my experience with it. I know how other people in my life reacted, but I also know that the relationship of being someone's parent is very unique. It's not something I mm-hmm. myself have experienced mm-hmm. with. I'm not, I don't have children. So mm-hmm. um, I, I try to give my parents a, a bit of grace in this and mm-hmm. and a little less judgment.
1: How is your relationship with them now, if I may ask?
2: Um, My relationship with them is improved, mm-hmm. but it is not, where it was before I came out as trans, I do not think that, I mean, it's a bit sad to say, I don't think my mom and I will ever be as close as we were before. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, I I don't think we will. Um, Mm -hmm. I think maybe that's okay. Um, you know, something I worked through at the time with my therapist is mm. that maybe my mom and I were too close. Mm. Maybe there was some codependency there. Maybe it's okay to make this break. And something, something else we I I, I talked about a lot in therapy was, for whatever the reason, I was I was an extremely well behaved child. Mm. I didn't, I didn't have a teenage rebellion. I got good grades. I didn't stay out too late. I didn't, you know, do lots of drugs and get in trouble. You know, I, I went to a good school. I got a good job afterwards. I started supporting myself. You know, I did all of these things that my parents really expected me to do. And up until that point in my life, the things that I wanted for myself, that I was working towards were completely aligned with the things that my parents wanted for me. Mm -hmm. And this was the first time in our relationship where I had to break from that. And I had Mm -hmm. to say, I'm going to do this for myself. This is not what you want for me. This is not what you would choose for me, but this is what I'm choosing for myself. And that's Mm -hmm. okay. I can choose something for myself. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people go through this much earlier in life than I did. They go through this as teenagers. They go through this as young adults, Mm -hmm. that they forge some aspect of their identity that their parents, it's not what their parents would have envisioned for them. And Mm -hmm. so I actually think it was in a way, a little bit unusual that I was doing this in my mid twenties. Um, And I think it's okay that I went through this with my parents at some point in my life. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what I mean with maybe it's okay that we aren't as close as we were beforehand. Mm
0: -hmm. It's almost like you you're maturing and taking a stance for yourself
2: yeah, I think maturing certainly but um breaking out of their image of me yeah yeah
0: I, I was very intrigued when you say the relationship you had with your mother was anchored in the gender your gender and um and I was wondering, What does that mean, like practically? Um,
2: I think it means that for her, at least, there were certain ways in which we were close, both physically and emotionally, whether Mm -hmm. that's feeling comfortable, you know, uh, going to the spa together, you know, being Mm -hmm. naked together, uh, things that are more physical or things that are more emotional, you know, talking about sex, talking about, um, you know, girl things, things. I guess. (laughs) Yeah. And for me, when I came out to her at that moment, none of those things were changing. Mm -hmm. So it really was a huge surprise to me that she suddenly felt like all of those things were just in that moment, instantly gone, that she would never do these things again with me, that she would never talk about these things again with me, that Mm -hmm. that was completely tied to the fact that we shared this experience of being Women Mm -hmm. and nothing. Whereas for me, nothing about my experience up until that point was changing. Mm -hmm. All of those things had happened to me. Mm -hmm. Were true about me. Were experiences that I lived in my life up until that point.
0: Yeah, got it. Thank you for clarifying that. These are the things that I I couldn't place myself in to imagine. So thank you for clarifying that.
1: Yeah, but I suppose it's you know just thinking. Okay, I'm 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 a parent of a a boy. Um, Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. You know, if he, if he came to me and said, Oh, you know, mommy, I want to be a girl. Um, yeah. You know, how, how I'm I'm just kind of, I'm wondering myself, you know, how would I, how would I react? And I suppose, you know, as a parent, you, you, you're right. You know, there, there are so many sort of expectations and things like that, that we, you know, you know, sometimes put on our child. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm putting sort of inverted commas when our child doesn't meet our expectations, right? That we you know, we get we get triggered. Um and and it's actually our issue to deal with, actually, not not our children's. Um but yeah, I can see it must be it must have been, you know, a very difficult sort of situation for the both of you, you and your parents.
2: Yeah, it, it was difficult. And I think like I said, um I think that some of that difficultness maybe could have been avoided if I would have told them in a different way and set those expectations in a different way. Like I I told them when I was actually at home with them, I felt like I owed them an in-person conversation about this. And in retrospect, I definitely would have told them when I was not at home with them. I wish I would have given them some time and space to process that information without having to see and experience their immediate mm-hmm. reaction to it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Some, yeah. some news is best not delivered in person. <laughs>
0: yes.
1: And what were some of the other challenges in, um, you know, in sort of going through the transition and maybe what are still some of the challenges today?
2: Yeah. So early in my transition, I would say a lot of my challenges were just internal and being unsure of myself. Some of which came from the reaction of my parents. and I just spent a very long time thinking, am I really going to go through with this? Mm -hmm. And do I really want to go through with this? And um Is this something that I'm going to regret? Is this something that I could avoid? Could I live my life without doing this? Mm -hmm. Do I want to live my life without doing this? These were questions that really persisted for me for a very long time. And I think it's important to talk about, again, not every trans person has an experience this way. Um, A lot of people feel very certain, but for me, I I just didn't. I didn't feel that certain. I was unsure of myself. And that's really hard. Um, I think the next round of challenges was just going through the coming out process in general. Um, It's a lot of conversations to have. It's an enormous Mm -hmm. amount of talk to every single person in my life. I'm a little ashamed to admit there's some people who I still haven't haven't really rekindled my relationship with them from before I transitioned just because Mm -hmm. at the time I was so overwhelmed with what I felt like was all this people that I needed to talk to and explain myself and process their feelings. And it, at some point it was just too much. So Mm -hmm. I just thought, well, these people either find out or they won't find out. So Mm -hmm. that was, uh, that was a challenging aspect. Um, A really challenging aspect for me was uh, coming out to my swim team. So I'm uh, I've been a competitive swimmer for many years. I don't really compete too much uh, anymore, but I do have a swim team here that I has has been an important community to me living in Zurich and swimming is a very important activity for me for my mental and physical well-being and I just I stopped swimming for like six months Mm -hmm. because I felt really really self-conscious and I felt really like I just, I don't even know why I felt so anxious about it. I felt so nervous. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even totally rational, but swimming, you're just so exposed. Mm-hmm. You're like most mm-hmm. of the way naked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's just, there's a men's and a women's option. There's a men's mm-hmm. swimsuit and there's a women's swimsuit. There's a men's locker room and there's a women's locker room. And mm-hmm. all these things, the aspect of, of coming out and having to really expose myself in that way was really, really terrifying to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so i'm I'm very grateful to one one member of of my swim team who helped me a lot with this. Um, I had been talking to him. I don't know why I started telling him about this earlier, but i did um I did tell him about my transition, and he was really supportive, and he actually he took me swimming with him at a different pool from where my team usually trains, Mm. just so I could get used to being in the men's room and being in public in a men's swimsuit and doing that separately from having the pressure of my Mm. whole swim team Mm. seeing Mm. me at once. That Mm. was really helpful. And then I noticed over time he would like invite one or two people from the swim team to Mm. come swim with us. So I was kind of able to tell people in a way that wasn't I have to tell mm. everyone all at once. Let's so see. I'm I'm really really grateful to him. That was really quite an act of allyship that he he took the time and, and did this with me and really helped me through that situation. Mm-hmm. Um that when I did finally come out, I mean I was still terrified. It was still a really anxiety-inducing day, but uh, I I got through it. People by and large have been supportive. Um from the swim team, I would say there's probably one or two or three people who just don't understand (laughs) they either have no idea what happened they don't know how to approach me how to talk about it um and that's fine it's not Mm -hmm. my job to have a conversation Mm -hmm. with every single person um so if they do have negative feelings about it they haven't said them to me which Mm -hmm. as far as i'm concerned that's that's fine (laughs) again i don't need to talk to every (laughs) single person so that was that was one challenging situation the other main coming out that i had to go through was at work um, which thankfully I was really, really supported at work. I have a fantastic manager, fantastic coworkers. Um, I really didn't have any problems there at work. The anxiety was just, again, kind of this moment where I felt like all the attention was going to be on me. And mm-hmm. that was something I really didn't want because You remember I said earlier, this felt like an internal thing for me. It felt Mm -hmm. like a very personal decision and I felt very exposed to have to share this personal decision with so many people. So that was where a lot of my anxiety came from, but uh, it really went went just fine. And the other thing about people is they're very Mm -hmm. (laughs) self-centered in general. So you tell someone that you're trans, they might think about you for five minutes or 10 minutes. And then they go right back to thinking about their own life and their own problems. That's (laughs) something that I learned through this. So it's not like a persistent thing that, you know, I keep coming to swim practice week after week and people are keep thinking about the fact that I'm trans at some Mm. point, it's just, nobody really notices anymore. So Mm. that's a very nice, I'm very grateful to be through that period of my life. It was very stressful, but ultimately um, worked out. Okay.
0: Yeah. Can I just clarify something, Eli, when you say you come out, that was after you went through the emotional and physical transition, or was it about the time and you processed that emotionally with your therapist and with, you know, informing your parents, because that was something that you, you wanted to do before proceeding anywhere. Um, so at which, just want to be clear at which stage was it that you start to come out? This
2: was really more than a year after I told my parents. Okay. Because telling my parents was a difficult situation. As I mentioned, it it really kind of made me question whether I wanted to go through with this. So I really needed some time to deal with that myself and make sure that I was prepared to. It also made me a little scared of other people's reactions, the way that my parents reacted. The fact that I told them first and they didn't react well, that made me quite nervous to come out to more people. Yeah. Even though ultimately that was really the hardest one and everything else went, went a lot better than that. did. (laughs) Yes. Um, so this, this was more than a year later. And as far as physical transformation goes, um, I had done some of the physical transformation, I guess you would say, but it's not the case that I was consistently getting read as a man Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. public. That's actually a very difficult thing. I think for trans people is, there's not really a great time to come out because mm. physical transformation is slow. And I'll also mention not all trans people go through any kind of medical or physical mm-hmm. transition. Mm-hmm. It's not a required part of being trans. Um, yeah. for, for me, it was an important part of, of my journey. Um, but in any case, it's slow. It's not an overnight thing. You don't just mm-hmm. snap your fingers and then magically mm-hmm. you your voice gets deeper and you grow mm-hmm. a beard and you get more muscles and all this stuff. So mm-hmm either you come out before that happens so that people yeah. are prepared that you're about to start looking mm-hmm. this way or you come out after it. And, and then it's very awkward because what if like, if you've already started changing, people are going to be wondering, they might be mm-hmm. talking. It's very confusing for them. It's mm-hmm. better to kind of tell them ahead of time. So mm-hmm. I was still pretty early on physically when I, um, you know, came out to my swim team, for example. Mm-hmm. And so that's that was a challenge. That was a real challenge to say this is who I am and I'm asking you to respect who I am even though I might not fit your vision of what a man looks like.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and how long did, did that whole process take that that transformation that physical sort of transformation?
2: Well, I would say it's still ongoing for me. Okay. okay. Um I don't um, it's, it gets a little easier all the time still. Um, but, you know, in terms of getting regularly read as a man, um, probably took about a year or two, a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a little, it's a little difficult to say exactly mm-hmm. because I still get misgendered sometimes.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, no, if I may just share a, a funny story. I was um I was uh at uh, a shop a couple of days ago, um, and uh the lady that was was serving me and in, in, in my husband and my son had been into the into the shop a couple of times. Um yeah, they were getting a gift for me for my birthday. And the lady said to me, you know, um, oh, your daughter is really pretty. <laughs> and I said to her, I have a son you know it, it's actually a boy and she was she was very embarrassed actually I, I said it's okay you know because she said oh you know, because he has fairly long hair and um you know he's quite fine featured and she said "Oh, you know she, yeah so yeah no it's just it was it was kind of a funny experience like, yeah for me I, I, I you know for me it didn't really matter but yeah she was she was kind of embarrassed about the whole thing so it's
2: It was happening to me for years before I transitioned Mm -hmm. because I had short hair. I dressed in a more masculine way. I would, you know, be at a restaurant and someone would, would, you know, the waiter would come up and say, what can I get for you, sir? Oh, I mean, ma'am. Oh, sir. No. Mm -hmm. And then embarrassment and confusion. And I. Yeah, I've had many, many such experiences. I just wish people would be a little less focused on gendering strangers mm-hmm. in general. I don't really think it's a necessary exercise mm-hmm. for anyone. Um and and a lot of embarrassment could be and and also harm. It it mm-hmm. hurts as a trans person to not get read the way you want to be read. Mm-hmm. A lot of embarrassment on, on their part and also harm can can be avoided if people just say
0: mm-hmm.
2: would just say, well you have such a lovely child. Yeah. Like yeah. what That's what annoying. if what if this shop yeah. person would have said that, you know? Yeah.
1: yeah. That's true.
0: What happened to your names, Eli? So, um yeah, you you
2: asked what's what's still difficult today and I would say one yeah. one really difficult thing today is that I still haven't been able to update any of my legal documentation. So I still legally have a very feminine name, and I also am, am legally female on all my, but you know, my passport, my um, driver's license, and so on. Um, this is really challenging because it's a ton of situations where I have to show my ID. Actually, it's we now have this um, in in Switzerland. We have this COVID certificate that you have to show mm-hmm. to go in many places, um, which personally, I'm grateful for. I I feel much safer entering (laughs) indoor spaces, knowing that Mm -hmm. there's some aspect of COVID safety. But the problem is you have to show this thing and you have to show your ID every time Mm -hmm. you show it. And so I'm in this situation now multiple times a day Mm -hmm. of having to show an ID that doesn't match who I am and doesn't match what people will read me as. And every single time I go through one of these situations, I have a moment of, are they going to say something to me? Are Mm -hmm. they going to say, this can't be you? What mm-hmm. this fake mm-hmm. certificate? You're obviously using someone else's. You know this. This could happen to me at any point. Um, and this is stressful. This mm-hmm. is really stressful. I get away with a lot of this because I'm a white person. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I have some privilege. Being being a white person, I speak decent. German and Swiss German. So I can get away with a lot of this. People will generally not question my presence in spaces, even though I'm trans, but it's certainly not impossible. It has, it has happened to me um, before, but this is really an area where, because I, I carry a certain amount of privilege as a trans person um, that I generally don't have to worry too much. Whereas a trans person of, of different experiences uh, might have a much harder time. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm just curious. Do you think it's and I know you've lived maybe here as a trans person rather than in the US, but would you say that there are you know, differences in um acceptance level um, in different countries or yeah, different different places?
2: The US is a place that is already having a much more public conversation about trans issues and trans people. Um, Switzerland is not really, there's not a lot of education or awareness Mm -hmm. here. And that is in a way, both a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing because people are just confused about it and they don't really know to be prejudiced. Mm -hmm. Like they, um, in Switzerland, there's a strong attitude of your business is your business and it doesn't overlap with my business. So I'm not going to say anything about this. So I'm unlikely to get a very public show of support or of uh, discrimination mm-hmm. uh, is what I would say in Switzerland. Whereas in the U.S., people are much more polarized on the issue. They're much, much more on one side or the other. Mm-hmm. So whereas I might find someone who's a lot more publicly supportive and saying things that are actively, i give you an example. I was um, I was on vacation in Iceland this summer I walked up to the rental car desk and the woman working there took my driver's license. She looked at me and she said, "Um, Oh, do you have another name you prefer to be called? Like that Mm. was, that was so kind that really showed that she was actually aware of this issue and educated about it. And Mm. she knew a really polite and respectful Mm, way to ask that wasn't like Oh I see her really loudly. Mm-hmm. I see her transgender like that mm-hmm. that that wasn't what happened. she just she knew about the issue and she was respectful about it. That mm-hmm. kind of thing never happens in Switzerland I mean I would be I was surprised when it happened there. I would be absolutely shocked if it ever happened here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time people don't people don't say something i was i I bought a car here recently, and the guy at the at the dealership, was visibly confused by my driver's license. <laughs> he was clearly confused about what to call me, what was going on, but he didn't say anything to me. He didn't say, you know, he did. He knew better than mm-hmm. to question, question it, or or yeah. say something potentially offensive. So,
0: yeah, he did. He did he address you as Mister So and So? In the conversation or did he not address you at I all? I think he just avoided addressing oh, it, yeah. yeah. Okay. That's very, yeah, I can see that. It happened in Switzerland, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: And w- w- what is something that um, maybe that non-trans people ask you or or, or say to you? I mean, I think you, you mentioned, you know, a couple of examples um, that say to you, you know, that they ask you or say to you or other trans people that you wish that they wouldn't. Yeah,
2: I think this is a really important question um, because I think that there is a lot of curiosity about trans mm-hmm. people, and there's nothing there's nothing inherently malicious about oh. that curiosity, but it it can be a little bit harmful, I mm-hmm. think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that trans people have a variety of relationships to their self before they transitioned. Some people are very comfortable with it. Some people are very uncomfortable with it. Um, So I think that it's important when interacting with a trans person to let them tell you what they feel comfortable with. Mm -hmm. So if a trans person feels comfortable with you knowing what their former name was, they will tell you what it is. It's, Mm -hmm. it's a little, it's, it's a little intrusive to ask. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a very, very close friend of mine who's a trans woman who is one of the first people I was talking to when I was thinking about coming out as trans and I I remember the day that she chose to tell me what her birth name was. I hadn't asked about it, but we had been friends for a number of years and I really felt like that was a huge sign of trust Mm -hmm. um, that she trusted me not to go shouting that to everyone else that she knows. So I think it's a very, it's a very deep personal thing. So mm-hmm. I would say it's it's better not to ask about a person's former name. Mm-hmm. And the other big one is, it's better not to ask about someone's kind of me- personal medical information. Mm-hmm. Um, especially around like surgeries and genitals, like this mm-hmm. is still really common, unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. It's not, it doesn't happen too often to me, but I will get questions like, oh, are you gonna have the surgery? Mm-hmm. Um, as if there is just one surgery. And mm-hmm. as if that surgery is defining of whether someone is a man or a woman, mm-hmm. which it isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that it's it's, premised on an assumption that's not true about trans identities, which is that we're defined by what our bodies look like. Um, We're, you know, we're defined by how we, how we identify. That's, Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to do with what our bodies are. And, and secondly, it's just, it's just an impolite question. You wouldn't ask any other person about their genitals or about their personal medical information or what surgeries they've had in their life or are planning to have. So I, I think it's just really best to avoid that topic with trans people unless they bring it up with you.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think you just said something so profoundly important to be understood. It's not about the body. It's about how you identify yourself.
1: Yeah.
0: This is for me is is uh, something that I wasn't sure. I don't have a lot of personal interaction. You, would, you, would, you are the first one, Eli. And this is why I'm very grateful that you're sharing this. And for me, yeah, okay, I get it. Now I get it. It's mm-hmm. not about... The body is about how you identify yourself, and um, and this is, I think, is is the message that needs to come out very clearly, yeah, for the people who are not well educated or not informed, yeah, which is which is actually which is most majority, of us majority,
1: yeah. yes, exactly. yeah.
2: I, I I'm glad to hear that. One thing that I will say though is I think there's so there's there's kind of a level level zero understanding is sex and gender are the same. If you are mm-hmm. male, if you have male characteristics, you are a man. Um, this is not true for trans people, right? So then you kind of have level one understanding, which is maybe where we've just gotten in this conversation, okay. which is
0: mm-hmm.
2: your body or your your sex is different from your gender, which is your identity. So you could, you know, be kind of male male bodied, if you will, scare quotes, but identify Mm. as a woman, that's kind of level Mm. one. But level two, I would say that a much more complicated view is that both gender identity and physical sex are complicated and Mm. are not binary issues. And so Mm. for trans people, it's it's, it's neither accurate nor kind to say that I am a man in a female's body or something. Um, it's because physical sex is often very complicated for trans people. It Mm -hmm. doesn't. And also for cis people, it doesn't just relate to your, your chromosomes. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's also what internal organs you have, what secondary sexual characteristics you might have your body hair, your, your facial hair, your skin texture, all of these things are kind of sex aspects of bodies and cis and trans people alike, both, change sex aspects of their bodies. Lots of cis women get breast implants or breast reductions. Mm -hmm. That's an alteration Mm -hmm. of a a sex aspect of their body. And so Mm -hmm. I I think it's also important to not just talk about it in terms of, oh, you have sex, which is immutable, and then Mm -hmm. you have gender, which is mutable. They're actually both mutable to some degree for Mm -hmm. trans people. Mm-hmm. Sorry if that was kind of a little <laughs> tangent there, but I, I think it's important for, yeah. for a little bit of a deeper understanding. By the way, one word I used there was cisgender, which just basically means anyone who isn't transgender. This just comes from the Latin word for cis, which means same side as. So it just means you identify with the gender that you were assigned at birth.
0: Okay. Okay. Thank you for, I was I was going to ask that. Yeah. What is that? Yeah, exactly. yeah. So yeah. Thank, yeah. I, thank yeah. you for clarifying hope- that. <laughs> I've heard it too, but I don't actually
1: know I mean, what it really means or where it comes from, yeah. And what did, so what have you learned through this whole experience, uh, Eli?
2: That's a great question. I will say two things. The first thing I've learned is that being trans is a sort of unique experience, but a lot of the struggles that I've gone through are not unique to being trans in a couple of ways. One, one way is that a lot of people have a moment or a time in their life where they have to take a decision to do something that's different from what is expected of them. Um, Maybe they choose to, or have to go through a divorce maybe they choose to change career paths maybe they choose to move far away from their family for some reason and or i mean i was shocked i had i had coworkers coming up to me telling me about extremely intense you know near death medical experiences they had had this sort of things things that have changed them that are not visible to other people always. Mm -hmm. Most people have some story like this, um, and being trans is just one such story. So that's one thing that I've learned. Um, And another side of that coin is being trans has given me so much more empathy for Mm -hmm. people of different experiences. Um, Not that, you know, before I transitioned, I certainly tried to uh, be someone who was not prejudiced, who, you know, was respectful for people of, you know, different races, sizes, abilities, all kinds of different ways that someone can be different in this world. But being trans has really given me so much more empathy for those who are marginalized in some way. And for that, I'm extremely grateful. Um, I there's just something when you've experienced that kind of marginalization yourself that gives you a different level of understanding. So I'm I'm very very grateful um, for that experience. I would say, and then the last thing I will say about what I've learned, and forgive me, this is maybe going to sound a, a little bit cheesy, but being trans has really showed me that it's it's worth it to to choose joy you know to to do something hard if it's going to result in um in happiness mm-hmm. for you because it certainly was not an easy path and also for me i i would say i didn't have the feeling as a trans person and again i'm i'm only one one person here one person's story i didn't have the feeling that it was absolutely impossible for me to go on living my life the way that i was living my life i think i could have Kept living and not transitioned. I don't think I would have been, you know, debilitatingly depressed or suicidal. Or I mean, this is true for some trans people, but this just wasn't my experience. It wasn't that I was so unhappy with the way things were mm-hmm. before. I, I felt I could have I could have kept living that way, but I just didn't want to. Mm-hmm. I I wanted to to choose to feel comfortable with myself, to feel happy with who I was, to to look in the mirror and feel happy. And I I that's that's an okay thing to do, you know, we all, we all deserve to do that for ourselves. So that's, that's a big thing um, that I've learned.
0: Yeah. Your story, Eli is in my mind, it's almost like there was a part, there was a reborn somehow of Eli. Do you feel like that? Um, you know, it's interesting that you say that because I've had other
2: people say something similar to me of just, wow, you seem so much more confident. You seem mm. like a different person. People have said this to me and it's really interesting for me because I feel like one continuous person. Mm-hmm. I never had a moment where I felt like that. Um, but maybe externally that's more how I am perceived. I'm not really sure. I don't, okay. I, 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 I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I think it's a, it's a perfectly fine way to interpret my
0: story. It's just not how I feel internally, mm-hmm. really. Because mm-hmm. this is why I wanted to to ask whether this is something that you actually perceive for yourself. As I was curious, if it had been the case, what have you decided to continue to bring into the current from the past? And what have you decided to leave behind? But if this is not the case, then as you said, it's a continuous process. So there's nothing much. There's not probably necessarily anything you left behind from the past or is there?
2: I don't know about what I've left behind in the past, but I will say something that I've brought in that mm-hmm. has brought me a lot of joy is before I transitioned, I was very um uncomfortable with femininity. I was mm-hmm. very uncomfortable with expressing myself in a feminine way, and I think that's because I was uncomfortable being perceived as a woman. Mm -hmm. Um, And now that I've transitioned and I'm more regularly perceived as a man, I feel so much more comfortable embracing and expressing the feminine side of myself. I don't feel a pressure to dress in the most masculine way possible. I don't feel pressure to change the way my voice is, to you know, I sound a little gay. I, I love that. You know, I I feel I feel much more comfortable with with all parts of myself, and that's something that I'm I'm very grateful to be able to kind of re-embrace as a mm-hmm. part of transition.
1: Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Very beautiful. Yeah.
0: So, I wonder if you would like to say a few things to a few group of people. Let me just okay mention <laughs> this. <laughs> there are three group of people that I would like you to. Kind of, if you have anything to say to them, number one is to the people who are thinking of transition, second would be the people who are going through the process of transitioning, and the third one is the people who have in their lives somebody who is about or going through transition. Yes, okay.
2: Um, let's start with the first group people who are thinking about transitioning. give yourself time. Be gentle with yourself. You don't have to figure everything out today or tomorrow um, or the next day. Just just take time and also find find trans people to connect to because uh, there are so many different types of trans journeys. And one reason why I think it took me a long time to accept myself is I didn't have this strong sense of I am a man and I need to make it so. Mm -hmm. I more felt like I want to change this one thing. Okay, now I want to change this other aspect of myself. Okay, now I'm thinking about changing my name. I experienced transition piecewise and this is not uncommon. I was able to find other trans people who also did their transition this way and and felt more this way and uh, felt a little bit unsure about their actual gender identity and, and went through with it anyways. And so I would just say seek out a lot of different types of trans stories connect with other trans people in real life and and see if you you find someone or, or an experience that resonates with you. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, to the second group, I would just say, you know it's it's advice that is often given, but <laughs> if you're going through hell, just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> it's It's a really hard period. I've been helping someone, uh, I was connected with someone else who's who's going through the process of coming out as a trans man now, and it's it's been really difficult for him going He's going through all these same steps that I had to go through mm-hmm. coming out to his his family, coming out to his mom, to his sister, dealing with doctors, thinking about coming out at work and it's mm-hmm. my my heart goes goes out to him because it's I remember being there, and it's a really rough place to be in. but being being a few years on the other side of it now, it's so much better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for people who are looking to support someone who's trans in their life, I think ask them how they would like to be supported. Don't just assume how they would like to be supported, You know, ask them if there's anything you can help with, ask them if they want to experiment with you, say that you're a safe place for experimenting, for trying out a new name or pronouns, um, for that you're open to correcting other people. If other people make mistakes, um, ask ask them how you can be supportive. Um, and I would also say that, assume that even if you don't understand anything about their experience, lead with the assumption that they are sure, sure of who they are. Just mm-hmm. because you don't understand why they're trans or what their identity is, doesn't mean that they aren't sure of it. Mm-hmm trans people, I I got questions a lot that was like, are you sure? I just, I really want you to make sure you've thought about this. Like, trust Mm -hmm. me, trans Mm -hmm. people have thought about this. Mm -hmm. No one just comes out as trans on a whim of like, you know what I think would be fun? Let me know. Mm -hmm. Everyone thinks about this for a very, very long Mm -hmm. time. And so even though you may not have seen that processing that's gone on, I promise Mm -hmm. you it's happened. So I would just meet them with that kind of I believe you, I believe who you say Mm -hmm. you are. Mm
0: -hmm. I think
2: that's such an important place to to start with.
0: Mm. That's amazing. Actually, you're absolutely
1: right. And actually, you know, all, I think pieces of advice that you've given, you know, I think are applicable, not just for people going through, you know, a trans journey, but actually any sort of difficult, you know, situation in their life, Mm -hmm. right. You know, is to give yourself that patience and, and, you know, yeah, ask people what support they need and not just assume Mm. um, things. Um, So, yeah, Yeah. thank you. Thanks. I I certainly hope so. Yeah. And how does it feel to be able to support some, you know, for you to be able to support, you know, this friend of yours to to go through his journey?
2: It feels good, but also sometimes it's a little bit – you know, some, exp- some, some experiences I went through at that point were in some way traumatic. Mm-hmm. Um, they were, they were difficult. And so there is definitely some element of like, it's not that nice to relive some of those mm-hmm. emotions. But having said that, I, I feel deeply indebted to people who helped me through my journey. And I want to make sure to pay that forward.
0: Mm-hmm. Why is it so important for you to share your story? Yeah, it's it's
2: important for me to share my story because I I think like like you both said a lot of people have not knowingly been exposed to trans people before. And actually, I'll make a duty. A, I'll make one small correction. You yes. said I was the first trans person you ever met that you know of. Yes. Um some some trans people don't live their life in a way where they're super forward about being trans. Maybe it's something that they, they maybe they transitioned decades in the past and it's just who they are. And so you never really know Best whether true. you're interacting with someone who's, who's trans or not actually. You also never know if someone's actually struggling with this privately with their gender. Um, yes. So, sorry, that's a, a little bit of a side <laughs> note, but um, I, it's important because, yeah, many people are just not aware of the issues. And I feel that if I can, reach someone who is either questioning their gender th- themselves or someone who is in a position to support someone who's trans in their life. If I can take on some of that educational burden a little bit, if, if, my, if me sharing my story makes someone listening more likely to accept or, or show kindness to someone who is trans, then I think it's worth it.
0: Thank you. Amazing. Thank you, Eli.
2: Yeah, you're you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It was a really good conversation.
0: It's it's amazing, and I'm I'm great that you show up for this. I'm I'm getting a lot of thoughts, and in evaluating how I relate to this <laughs> topic,
2: I I would love to hear your your thoughts too. I mean, I know I, I'm sort of the interviewee here, but I think it's it's really interesting for me to also understand how these issues apply to other aspects of of life and other types of experiences.
0: Mm. For me. It takes courage, really, to make choices in life. That's what this is what I'm getting from you very clearly because you said, you know, I don't I, I think I still can live even though I don't change or I, I don't decide for what I d- did in the end. And, and this is for me is is something that speaks the loudest. It's not easy or it, it takes a lot of courage to choose joy. It's not at all cheesy to me, Eli. It's really for me. It's something that I wish a lot more people would do. Um, I can relate to that because I also went through a lot of risk, life-changing moments to to be closer to that choice of being joyful and peaceful. And um, and yeah, it, it it takes a lot of people's worlds in the process. I, I may have hurt people in the process, um, so I I understand this. But on the topic itself the topic that you're presenting today specifically on transgender, this is something that I'm looking forward very much because this is not something this is something that I'm very really not educated at all. I, I appreciate that. I there's there's two quotes that I come back to
2: mm-hmm. when I'm questioning myself. They're, they're very different quotes, but I, I hope you'll you'll indulge me for a moment. Um one of them is um Marie Kondo, <laughs> yes. the, the tidying up lady. Yeah, and she has she has a quote that's like um it's something like does this spark joy if yes keep it if no get rid of it mm-hmm. that is not only the simplest but the most accurate way to, to to measure um that's that's I think one one really you know it's it's well my gender did not did not spark joy for me so <laughs> yes. should, I, should I not choose something that does and then the second quote is um Mary Oliver who was a poet um and she has this quote that's tell me what's the thing you plan to do with your one wild and precious life Mm -hmm. um which is is such a reminder that we we only this is a big reason why i transitioned you know Mm
0: -hmm. you
2: can you can sit and think about these things forever these changes you want to make and and kind of let let life pass you by
1: yeah Um, yeah are you diving the deep end (laughs)
2: yes
1: (laughs) exactly Yeah. yeah Well, thank you, Eli. We really appreciate your your openness and yeah, generosity, generosity. and sharing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you.
2: Of course, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the the conversation and the opportunity to to share and hopefully educate some people.